somewhere men are laughing and somewhere children shout but there is no joy in Madhu Mighty Casey has sung! I only got one thing to say to you. Strike this one out. He got it! A perfect game! It was done by the king! Hey, you! Are you right in that boat? Took away a game-tie home run for Manny Ramirez. That's my thing, fellas. Ladies and gentlemen, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for visiting us this evening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Mudville Podcast. It's Mudville. I am one of your hosts, Nolan Rabine. I'm the other one, Brody Stout. And today we're going to be doing? talking about the wild card and divisional series. Before we get into all yeah. that, though, I do have a lot of thoughts that I'd like to share at the top of this episode. Uh, and conveniently, that starts by plugging the Patreon that we just started a couple weeks ago. Patreon.com slash Mudville. I shared an essay or letter or whatever you want to call it. It's a treatise. On there yesterday. That uh, It's a manifesto. That's good. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know what? I, <laughs> see, I would be okay with that, but I feel like manifestos... It's got such a bad rap as a word. <laughs> they're now associated with, like, school shooters instead yeah. of communists. Yeah. So... Detailed your thoughts on. Please go on. <laughs> detailed my thoughts just on setting up the Patreon itself, sort of a why this and why not now, as well as uh, general discomfort that i feel asking anybody for money uh, especially when our podcast is still so new yeah. i can only ask people for money jokingly <laughs> i.e five seconds ago yeah basically the the main reason for why it feels necessary now remains the deterioration of social media and information online as a whole and the need for a singular platform to consolidate all of our work and that goes beyond just twitter um the reason I wanted to share that, just today, uh, Facebook recommended this page to me that appears to be an AI-generated fan page for Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Which, that's already just, you're starting off at a bad spot. <laughs> Somewhere in Mark Zuckerberg's algorithm, it was decided that I, Nolan Rabine, probably have a vested interest in the filmography of The Rock. And, and it was right. And would like to engage with more rock-related content in my free time. Rock 10. <laughs> Putting all that aside <laughs> for a second, here's what the post actually said. It's a photograph of the aforementioned Mr. Johnson and his wife. You see him on some red carpet that's cropped out, and he's wearing a suit. It's all purple. It makes him look exactly like Grimace, the McDonald's hamburger blob. And the caption on this photograph reads... Dwayne Johnson welcomes daughter, Agent 007 Daniel Craig. And that's it. There's no link, nothing. Sure. If, like me, you're at a loss for words <laughs> having heard that, know that this sent me down more of a rabbit hole than it deserved to. By the way, this post has 7,000 likes. Disgusting. So I wanted to know Were if those are all AIs, because if not, I'm really worried. I don't know, man. That, <laughs> Very I've concerned. been thinking about it ever since I saw it. I wanted to know if there was even a kernel of truth in this post that Facebook, again, specifically wanted me to see. Like maybe The Rock had a daughter recently and maybe the algorithm threw in Daniel Craig's name by accident or something. But I don't even believe that that's the case. Dwayne Johnson's wife isn't pregnant in this picture, and he does have a couple daughters, but I don't think that either of them were born this year or that. Were they in the picture? Reason. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this was just a collection of words and names from other headlines paired with a random photograph of an A-list actor. I put that in quotes. Right. And slapped onto no, a Facebook a, page for all to see. Well, I He's mean, an A-lister. Everybody knows who The Rock is. What if you, you say seen The Rock? Him in? Everybody from your youngest cousin to your oldest grandparent knows who The Rock is. He's an yeah. Well, he's an A-list celebrity, but I I hesitate to call him an actor. Name three The Rock movies: Fast and Furious Five, Fast Six, Fast Seven, Fast Eight, Fast Nine, Fast Ten, and this is a great bend. And I'm, I'm sure everyone's loving it. And Journey to the Center of the Earth. Okay. <laughs> Regardless, this is worse than like 
bottom of the barrel content. It's not even anything. It's not content. People, like, it's pe- engagement farming. People are looking at this. Yeah. And I'm seeing stuff like it everywhere, just pure junk meant to fill up the screen so it looks like some of these sites are active. And then it becomes an issue, like you said, of engagement farming and keeping these users on the site and keeping them active. And then these like snake oil salesmen tech developers become inclined to flood the market with ads and keep the mill churning and maximize a dying profit margin for as, as long as they can. And that leads to not only elderly, vulnerable people being preyed on by right-wing disinformation campaigns, but also apparently this new phenomenon of AI news content that I truly can only compare to like sludge or mold, maybe hot dog water. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to make of any of this. It, it truly blew my mind seeing that that post had 7,000 likes this morning. That's really scary. The end game, of course, of that point being that the reliability of social media is being targeted by the billionaire class. Personally, just on a more serious note, I've had a terrible two weeks on Twitter, just first starting with um, the murder of a left-wing organizer and activist outside of a wedding and just right here in Brooklyn a couple weeks ago. Luckily, I dodged all of this. I'm glad I did. I, I wish I had, man. I, I rubbernecked the entire situation, and I probably shouldn't have, but it was it was like one of those things where I felt like an obligation to look just because the girlfriend in that situation, her friends, it uplifted me seeing the community that formed around her and all of the people who did everything in their, their power to keep this bubble of right-wing hatred and doxing and harassment and the worst moment of this woman's life away from her and I, I can only hope that they were successful and I can only hope that she's doing okay now but following this for days made me really feel like I have a much better look into the hearts of my enemies and they don't exist And then, of course, the week after, the rampant um, misinformation that's just been everywhere on the destabilized Twitter, um, culminating in the president of the United States falsely claiming that he saw fictional photographs of beheaded children. Trigger warning, I guess, but it's not real. So I, I don't, again, I don't know what to make of any of this, but it feels like in the past couple of weeks we've gone from tides turning in a bad direction to somewhere much more violent and insidious and truly something evil here at the the heart of the internet and um i'm really not not liking it So, recapping some wildcard series, the NLDS, the ALDS, some crazy stuff happened in the world of baseball since we've last talked, which was a little bit ago at this point. Week and a half. Yeah. Lots been going on. We want to jump us in? Sure. So, every wildcard series was a 2 nothing sweep. How te- fun. <laughs> Texas Rangers swept the Tampa Bay Rays. The Philadelphia Phillies swept the Miami Marlins. The Minnesota Twins swept the Toronto Blue Jays. And the Arizona Diamondbacks swept the Milwaukee Brewers. Called it. So I went four for four. Nice. Just want to put that out there. Well done. These uh, series felt as uncompetitive as they ended up being. Yep. The Rays have scored just one run in their past three postseason games uh if you date back to last year uh they with that series against the cleveland guardians it's now been two straight post seasons uh where the rays offense looked like a fifth place team had to show up instead it's certainly true this year that they didn't have their all of their pitching shane mcclanahan jeffrey springs drew rasmussen 
Shane Boz, and then their generational shortstop turned out to allegedly be a pedophile. (laughs) And so as beaten up as this team was, I mean, their postseason failures, I think, have reached the point where it's fair diagnose the Rays problem as um, organizational rather than a case of repeated bad luck. Yeah, well, that's hard to say. I honestly would argue that is bad luck. Well, it's a little Out, both. Outside but. of Wonder Franco, that's not luck. That's him being a piece of shit, allegedly. Um, but what I'm saying, organizationally, the Rays' strategy, payroll especially, is not so built to win. It's a very that argument is cynical method of baseball. It's it's definitely a very salient argument because you could you know argue look at the teams who are left in you know the Phillies, the you know the even the Diamondbacks, I guess, like in their top-tier young talent, the way that they're built. Um, you have a lot of teams who have a lot of stars and they'll have a lot of top-tier high-end talent. The Rays obviously don't go out and spend on high-end top-tier talent. Um, that being said, their injuries are really hard to overlook. <laughs> um, I think if they have a healthy pitching staff, that's a very, very different series. Um and if their lineup was complete, that's also a very different series. Um, like, I remember one of those games, I, I don't remember which one, but I think it was game two. Um, the announcers were talking about how Yandy Diaz was feeling a lot of pressure because he was the only guy there, basically, who is known to bring the offense. And not that Randy Rosarena is not a great hitter, but Yandy Diaz is really, like, the guy if you're looking for offense in that lineup of what was left. Um, so it's it's hard to say that this is just complete organizational failure when this is also a team who, you know, consistently just wins and wins and wins in the regular season. They have a proven winning formula. Um, it's just that in the postseason, this is it's the same problem the Yankees have. Um, it's the same problem the Dodgers have. It's just the offense disappears. So whether that's organizational or it's just a, a thing within baseball within certain, maybe it's just the players that you have or something because the two names I just, or the, uh, the two teams I just named are the two top, you know, payroll teams in the league other than the Mets. So it's that that argument can be made. I just I don't I don't think I fully agree with it. I think that the Rays construction this year was very different from some of the other teams that have been that were either eliminated in the first round or that that we'll see were just bounced in the DS, divisional yeah. series this week. Um, you know, some of those teams like the Braves and the Orioles, those teams had top to bottom elite lineups that were destroying the league all year. Um, and then, like you said, the offense just went cold in the postseason. I don't think that the Rays really had that. I mean, if you look at their lineup, it's a lot of, like, platoon guys, like a lot of righties who hit left-handed pitching well. Like, they've got Isak Paredes, Harold Ramirez, got, like, Luke Rayleigh, Josh Lowe on the other side of the plate. So it's these guys that, like, they think yeah. they're going to play these, like, matchups, but then they face Jordan Montgomery in postseason and none of their right-handed hitters can touch him and they face Evaldi, none of their left-handed hitters can touch him right uh and it's like what if this rangers team had jacob Degrom and max scherzer like yeah. we, we can do all of these what ifs well, for the race what if they had about, jacob Degrom? i don't know how much yeah fair enough left, but yeah but it's like you can do all these what if scenarios oh, for the rays like the rangers are in the same boat and they they dominated not only that series, but they went on into the ALDS and they swept the Orioles too. They have the best lineup in the American League, and it looks like don't sh- they're not showing any signs of slowing down. And their lineup is only going to get better next year with the addition of Wyatt Langford. But yeah, mine on the Rangers is just these guys can freaking hit. Like they are so so good top to bottom. I mean that offense is scary. And I'll get into details more later when we talk about the division series. But, yeah, I mean, a banged-up Rays team I don't think really stood a chance in this series at all. I, like, there's just – they ran into it, honestly, who looks like this year to be a juggernaut. So it's just the way it goes sometimes. I don't think that this should cause some massive shift in organizational philosophy for these guys. Maybe just don't have a shortstop who's a pedophile in the future. I don't know. Well, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Rays have a great season again next year and then – Something similar happens, but yeah. Junior Caminero and Carson Williams, 18 and up. I would say 21, but they themselves are 20, so that'd be a little strange. <laughs> That's freaky. <laughs> My God. Yeah. Anyway, 
The Toronto Blue Jays made it two ha. American League East teams that got swept right out of the ha. wild card, losing both games to the Twins. Ha ha. I feel like there are so many similarities to be drawn between Tampa and Toronto, and yet at the same time, they feel so completely different. Very different teams. Like, the Blue Jays are built on this supposedly dynastic offense uh, that was built to be among the best in the league, and for years it looked like that would be the case. Flatty and Bo Bichette are certainly the two like long-term pieces, but you've got guys like Springer... They brought in Brandon Belt, play first base, um, veterans like Whit Merrifield, Matt Chapman. You'd think that, that that offense would be able to compete in the postseason, as was the case with Tampa. Uh, you look back at the last two years that these teams have been in the playoffs, and it's not good. The Blue Jays had that catastrophic blown lead to Seattle last that year. Was- Awesome. Right on the same <laughs> day. So cool. It was really cool. Right on the same day as the Rays were getting shut out by Cleveland's pitching. Now this year both teams get bounced again in their elimination game. The Blue Jays got nine hits, but eight of them were singles. They didn't score any runs. They didn't string anything together. Major controversy from this series, of course, was Jose Burios being pulled after three innings, one turn through the order. They went to the lefty with Yusei Kikuchi, and it did not work. He promptly gave up two runs. The Blue Jays could not get back into the game, and their season ended. This has led to a bunch of discourse about whether it was a front office decision to pull Berrios or whether it was the manager, John Schneider, who made the call. It does look now like it might have been the latter option there that the manager did pull Rios himself, he saw the second time through the order stats get a lot worse, saw some talented left-handed so, hitters coming up to the plate maybe. I have a lot Didn't of thoughts work. on this that might derail the conversation, so go ahead first and then I'll hop in. Basically the last thing that I was going to say about it was, uh, so now of course so many people are using this as a uh, springboard to go on another diatribe against uh, analytics, which I put in quotes because analytics is a word that it's has not. ended up being used as an all-encompassing term for things that boomers don't particularly like. Sure. Now, let me hop in here because I I side with the boomers on this one, Okay, surprisingly. Um, and not in that I hate analytics, again, quote-unquote. That's not a thing to hate. That's saying that you hate data. That makes no sense. That's mm-hmm. not what I'm saying. I hate decisions that are driven by data where the human element far outweighs the implications of what the data suggests. And that is the issue that I think baseball has to kind of reckon with right now. Because I... I believe that that decision to pull Berrios was not only on Schneider. They're like, from what I gather from a lot of different sports talk shows and from you know columnists or whatever, the way that these decisions work is the front office hands down a lot of information and says, this is what we think is going to happen, and if you don't do that, it better work, and if it doesn't, you're going to have to answer for what you thought or why you did what you thought was right there. Um, because the numbers don't back up what you decided. So, you know, if it doesn't work, it, you know, you better have a damn good answer. So basically, do what you want, but if you don't do what we say, you're in trouble. So that also leaves them the leeway to say this was fully on Schneider. We gave him all the information, then he made the call, which it's still a front office decision at that point. <laughs> How but much of this, though, is just pure hearsay. speculation? So, like, I mean, a good amount, but that's I know for sure that's a lot of how the Yankees operate because Brian Cashman has said stuff like that about Aaron Boone in the past, which is you know in interviews where he says, look, I he's allowed to go with his gut, but if it doesn't work, I'm going to have him in my office the next day and he's going to have to explain himself. Like he said basically those words. It's I, I'd assume that's how a lot of these front offices work. That's a, maybe a bit of extrapolation from you know something that I know to be true. So call it unfair all you want, but that's I, I think that's how these things kind of go. And that being said, the 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 issue that I have again goes back to just not managing the human side of baseball, which is like you have a guy who's dealing. Maybe the splits don't matter as much. Maybe the the second time or third time through stats don't matter as much in a playoff game where a guy is going off pure adrenaline and it's not a regular season game. And it's this is why people always say the playoffs are a crapshoot. So then why are you still managing or making decisions based off data that 
might not necessarily apply. You know, it's just I, I get very frustrated when teams don't believe in a player who's on a heater. Let's say they're like three for seven in their last couple of games, and then they give them, you know, they, they sit them down or something when they could, or like they pinch hit for him because they don't like the lefty righty split stuff like that. They're like, it's, you know, it, it, it bothers you. Um, or it bothers me that it's the human side of the sport gets ignored because that is what makes baseball so special because it's all a series of one-on-one matchups and it's person against person. It's not, you know, our data against your data. Um, so it's that, that is what bothers me. Um, I wouldn't say I'm an anti-analytic person. I just am pro the human element in baseball. I have a lot of different thoughts on that. I mean, if if you look at um, if you look at Jose Barrios's numbers in particular, um, you can kind of see why they made the switch the second time around the order. But personally, I think it makes a ton more sense to switch him the third time around the order. Sure. That's and always what the issue is. Exactly. Every, every pitcher has the third time through the order number. So, yeah. one, like, had they done that, would it have worked? Had they kept Barrios in and then he'd gotten tagged, would people be saying they should have gone to Kikuchi? On the flip side, had the Kikuchi move worked, what would people be saying about the analytical decision to take him out of the game? Would people be giving it too much credit, right. putting too much weight onto why it's they true. I, maybe yeah. would have won the game? Like, you know, we we don't know what would have happened. That That's very fair. I Another thing, actually, and my brother is not here, but if he was, he would tell you, bringing in a starter out of the pen when they're not used to it in the playoffs is always a terrible idea. I mean, I, I don't have numbers on this, and I'm sure he doesn't either, but the amount of times that you have seen a starter come in in relief, not in a clean inning when they're the guys on base or something, like in the middle of an inning, it just doesn't work. It's just not what they're built to do. It's not what they're made to do. And baseball is so mental that if you shake up a guy's routine, just the mental state that they enter the game in, especially pitchers who are notoriously creatures of habit, I mean, it's just you're you're begging for trouble. So, I mean, that's it's again this is that's very humanitarian i guess is the word that i'm looking for or um i don't know it's a different kind of analytic it really is it's like it's 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 just i mean the human side cannot be thrown out like especially anthropological anthropological <laughs> sure which i was going to minor in if i declared it i think i had the credits to do it so there you go that's I why think i, I like had so the much. credits to minor um, in uh, politics that's yeah it's yeah but we I just didn't, didn't do it didn't do yeah. it um but yeah so Anyway, I, I think that's kind of why I get frustrated and why I kind of have a soft spot for the, you know, the old guy who's like, why don't they bunt no more? It's like, you know, it's like, well, it's, baseball's fun. It's supposed to be fun. It's not stratomatic baseball. It's, you know, it's not made to be, you know, just played out the night before in a spreadsheet, which is, you know, as cliche as cliche gets, but you get the idea. Um, but it's. You, I, like it's the same old another cliche having a feel for the game Brias is pitching well maybe he can get out of this he walks one guy and then you pull him it's just not a good look and it, you know what all all you know results aside it's just the look itself is not good because they pay him a lot of money they pay Brias a shit ton of money why why not be the raise then and just have all these guys who you don't have to go out and pay a shit ton of money why if I'm the owner of the team that's what I'm asking the GM why are we paying Barrios twenty something million dollars if you're going to pull him? Because we have him to pitch six innings in a playoff game. That's why he's here. I don't know. It just it kind of undermines the the value of the player when you break it down to that kind of you know that degree. And it also raises a question of what mismanagement is at this point because the game is constantly changing so much. And like we're saying, you know, analytics, whatever you want to make of that data, advanced data like the numbers that these teams have that we don't are, are going to be a part of the game forever so like yes handling that not going away yeah so exactly. get used to it. if you, if you're an old curmudgeon like that's why nobody wants to hear from you it's not going anywhere <laughs> shut up get used to it well it's not it it isn't going anywhere but like that then that means that the application of those numbers becomes the actual management itself yes. so when we're talking yeah. about what schneider did like it's not that he did something that like doesn't align with the game or that he did something like that was unsacred yeah or whatever it's just that he mismanaged or the front office mismanaged they had a bad read yeah yeah or did they did it or did it just not work 
Because like uh, end game I mean, isn't yeah, results but that's, isn't you can always argue shit like that in baseball. Yeah, always going back as long as you want. Was it just a bad idea or did it not work? Mm-hmm. Like you know, that's that's the question that you could have asked in after the twenty or the nineteen twenty three World Series if about a certain move. I, I don't have an example of a shitty pitching change in the nineteen twenty three World Series, but you get my point. It's like the way that uh, a team analyzes its data now. Like the Astros clearly. Clearly, clearly have something, you know, some kind of way that they are looking into things that other teams are missing because they consistently just win with any combination of players. Losing superstars doesn't matter. They're still winning. I struggle with that, too, though, because that also could just be talent. I mean, like, at what point, like, their players get paid a shit ton more than other players because they're more talented than them. So, like, at what point do we just say, hey, the more talented team won. <laughs> like, you know, it's it comes down to talent. And if you have a more talented team, you have a more athletic team, you have a just a, a more gifted team, you're gonna win. So I mean that's that that's part of it too. Which is also another reason why people get frustrated with teams dumpster diving for the or the you know, the 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 exit velo sweetheart or whatever. It's like, well, can they hit? It's like, you know, <laughs> they hit the ball hard. Can they hit? <laughs> it's not the question. Yeah. You know, it's like it's it's there's a lot of shifting goalposts right now that I think baseball has to reckon with itself. Some of the biggest stories from around the National League, uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks took two games from the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, good call to Mr. Brody yes, on sir. game one with uh, the Brandon Fought-led Arizona Diamondbacks uh clutching victory from Corbin Burns and the Milwaukee Brewers. Yes, sir. And then game two, no, Brandon Woodruff. um, Diamondbacks took that one handily. And then they went in and swept the Dodgers, too. That, uh, okay, so do you want to touch on that? Because I have some thoughts on that. As do I. Uh, (laughs) It's truly shocking to see the state of the Los Angeles Dodgers pitching in this series. Clayton Kershaw had to go in game one because the team did not have any other options. Nothing left. Walker Bueller is still not back from Tommy John surgery in 2022. Julio Urias was arrested for the second time for domestic violence. Bye. Right before the end of his contract. So he's done in Major League Baseball. Um, And yeah. Clayton Kershaw started game one not completely healthy, and it showed. He gave up six runs, did not even make it out of the first inning. They had five on him before he even recorded an out. The Diamondbacks took that game 11-2. The easy, lazy maybe narrative there is playoff Kershaw. For Clayton Kershaw's entire career, he's been criticized and derided for not pitching well in the postseason, not being able to come up big. Whether or not that has been deserved has been up for debate over. (laughs) He said himself before the series, like, you know, guys know it it isn't lost on me that I've had these opportunities that other guys have not had at any any other points in their career. Certainly a guy who would rather fail on the big stage than not be there at all. But goddamn, did he ever. Yeah, so this guy has 39 games, 39 playoff games, which is a very significant sample size. He has a 449 ERA in the postseason, and if you know anything about Clayton Kershaw, you know that his career ERA in the regular season is sub 2.5. It's it's 2.48. Genuinely hilarious. Like, the guy is amazing in the regular season. He's known, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, hands down. Um Greatest pitcher I have ever seen in my life. His peak his prime. will never uh, like be replicated. I think in our lifetime, to be well, honest, that maybe. guy. I truly, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's. I guess that's a bit much to say. But I mean, those years in like you know, like 14, 13, 14, 15, 16 were incredible. Twenty tens. Um, Clayton Kershaw is peak pitcher. Yes, doesn't um, get better. But and that being said, the last time he was remotely good in the playoffs was twenty thirteen. So it's you know. As tired as that trope is that Kershaw doesn't perform in the playoffs, it's also true. I mean, he just, like, last year he was a little bit better. He didn't give up more than three runs in his start. But this year, I mean, point one, six earnings, six hits, six runs. 
no strikeouts. This is not pretty. I guess no strikeouts is only one out, but yeah, <laughs> not not what you want. It, like looking at the numbers, though, it, it, it's more than just like a you know uh, an easy argument to make. There's a significant amount of data to back that up. Sure, that the guy just does not do well in the oh. playoffs. Bobby Miller started game two, rookie. He did not fare much better. Gave up three runs. Before in the first. we get off Kershaw, do you think he's retiring? No, I don't think so. He said he's thinking about it. I don't think he will either. But he's I don't up think there. he goes out on this. No way. No, me neither. But who knows? He's thirty-five. I, you know, that's not that old, I guess. But in pitcher years, it is. But I think Clayton Kershaw comes back, and I think he tries to adapt his pitching arsenal uh, to a different kind of, um, a, just to a different approach, like. I and this like he's already done that though. He doesn't throw hard. He's not a strikeout pitcher. But he's like, going to have to continue adapting. You know, I guess, it's yeah. like you're going to have to keep making changes each year at this point in his career. If he but he had have a great anymore. He had a great regular season again. So I know. Like, it's it's. But it, what, uh, was yeah, he healthy in this start? I mean, again, like this is you know we're judging it off of one inning. We can't say that he's going to retire on that. A third of an inning. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't know. I it's it's not fair. Because the, the dude is a first ballot Hall of Famer, so it really is not fair. The but it's comparison just, yeah. that I would want to make was to Madison Bumgarner because sure. those are probably the two most dominant left-handed pitchers of the 2010s, yeah. certainly in the National League West. And Bumgarner's a guy who, if you don't remember, he started oh, this season famously. in the Arizona Diamondbacks oh, rotation. That's true. Yeah. Holy shit. And he was gone within... Two or three starts yeah. because he was other, terrible. Yeah, but like other teams hitters were saying that they were approaching him like they would a position player on the mound. Oh, wow, that's awful. And Bumgarner like famously was so hard headed, he would never yeah. adapt anything. He wouldn't right. change his arsenal. He would just assume this has worked for me my entire life. It will continue to work. You know, Bumgarner, I think, is the only example of a pitcher that I've seen come in in relief and then, like, truly have the outing for the ages in that 2014 World Series. Like, he's kind of the outlier there. Um, but just a guy who his head was not built to adapt and to compete in a changing sport in which he was no longer stuff dominant. And now he's just out of the league. He's going to go off yeah. riding his bike or whatever his I don't horse know. dude he's a horse dude it's crazy but yeah the thing with Bumgarner too and it's funny that you make that comparison Bumgarner notoriously is one of the he he might have one of the best world series performances by any pitcher that I can remember in recent memory I mean like he you know showing up in in three games in the world series and I think he hit a homer in one of those games or something like either I, that might be wrong. I just remember him hitting a lot of homers, but um, I think he did. But that's not the point. He is the opposite of Kershaw in that he is famous for showing up in the in the playoffs. Um, and you know, it, it's interesting how uh, you know how how uh, how things change. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're they're very different how pitchers. They don't both in terms of career and numbers or just like I'm saying in mentality, because yes. I think that the reason Clayton Kershaw still has a chance to come back and to succeed is the fact that he, despite being one of the best pitchers of all time is willing to change how he pitches and, and how he and, approaches hitters. And then he had a two, four, six ERA this season. Yeah. That, that, that helps. <laughs> That'll help you. Yeah. Um, I think he has at least two more years in him. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. Um, on the Dodgers, I, Said so. I I wrote out like little um, like storylines for each team out of the the DSs, but we kind of lumped these in with the wild cards. Sure. But um, with the Dodgers, I said waste time, talent, and money. Cause, like this is it's it's unbelievable that this has been uh, another year where this team makes a, a first round exit. They have won the NL West ten times in the last eleven years. The one time that they didn't, they finished in second one game out of first, and that was I think two years ago. In those ten uh those ten division wins, they've made five first round exits, and now this makes two in a row this year. Wow. They have won at least one series six times, which included the Fakakta COVID season, which is how I wrote it in my notes, but I like <laughs> the way that sounded. But um they are just infuriatingly inconsistent and just don't 
they they don't deliver. Like I mean, this is also Mookie and 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 Freddie Freeman went one for twenty one in this series. God damn! Which is I mean that's atrocious. You need your stars to show up, that's and Freddie obscene. Freeman is a good playoff performer. We know that. Uh, Mookie Betts, I I don't know. His numbers, I would need to look into it. I, I didn't. I should have. But like the, the guys who showed up in this series were Kike Hernandez and Will Smith. Like if you're the Dodgers, you can't say at the end of it, well, at least we had Kike show up. Like that's not <laughs> that's not how you want to exit your season. No. So I mean, they kind of need to uh, to to. I mean, but I, actually, I was about to say they need to readjust. Do they? Because it works so well in the regular season. They win hundreds of games every year, and it just it falls apart. Yeah, the Dodgers are such a, an interesting case because I, w- I almost made the point earlier that I think teams that treat the playoffs like a crapshoot are always the teams they lose. that get bounced. The they always who, lose. They the ones who you it. never would hear say that, like the Braves, the Phillies, the Astros, they're the ones who are in the final four, five, six teams every year. I mean, that doesn't apply to the, the Dodgers. Like they, yeah. they create the... They they have these dynastic rosters every year. They have multiple MVP candidates on their team. Like and then th- this year especially, like they weren't even competitive in the playoffs. No. And like we we said it was because of their it's the starting pitching woes. Yes. They lost but, everything. Like, but the know, offense didn't show up either. No, it didn't. And like we said, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, both of those MVP candidates did not show up at all in a series against Arizona Diamondbacks pitching, which you would expect those guys to be able to handle. Yeah, uh, and speaking of the Diamondbacks, I I mean, this is a team that is v- extremely young. They are the Orioles of the NL, and their pitching is, I mean, even more suspect than the Orioles was going in, I, I would think. So... I mean, if the, if I think theirs was a little better than the Orioles going, maybe. In. But I mean, it's you know, it's close either way, and it's comparable. So I, I mean, but then again, you have you know, Corbin Carroll shows up and proves that he's you know that guy. Like he can be. He is uh, for real. Like he is for real, for real, for real. When it comes to being a star, I mean, Christian Walker and Gabriel Moreno had huge series. So like, it's you know, it, it comes down to the guys that you need to show up, showing up. Most of the time, like every every year, when there's a team who does not meet the expectations that they had set out for them, that's kind of what you can point to. Well, the guys that we needed to show up didn't. Like that every year, that's how it kind of goes. So if you want to win the playoffs, you need your guys to show up. And you know the Diamondbacks did, the Dodgers didn't, the Brewers. I, I mean I, that team. I said it in the preview for the wild card. They really needed to win that first game because I said if the Diamondbacks smell blood in the water, which they did immediately, that series is over because the Diamondbacks are young and hungry and the Brewers are fighting to maintain any kind of semblance of respect in the league after a lot of early exits in the playoffs and it just didn't go their they way. They were again. really teams going in opposite directions. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it's, you know, and I, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I was right. <laughs> they, they beat the shit out of Corbin uh, or um, of uh, Corbin yeah, Burns. Corbin Burns. Yeah. And that was it. So it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it, it, it all like playoff narratives are always, always based on the stars performance. Speaking of playoff narratives, uh, Rangers Orioles, Rangers Orioles. So on the Rangers, I have, uh, just the simple line. I said earlier, this lineup is here to mash and the Orioles will be back and Gunner is ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was kind of a rough series. It was a little sad, to be honest, because, I mean, the Orioles, I wanted to see them put up a better fight. Um, it It is what it is because, again, they're young, and I truly believe they will be back. This team is so good. They absolutely um, will be back. But, it's you know, but, I mean, again, some of your guys showed up. Gunnar Henderson hit 500 in, yeah. in, the, in the series, which that's what you want. Aaron Hicks, Reclamation Project. I know. He had a five-RBI game. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. That's what you want to see. Like, if you're an Orioles fan, you feel good about this year for sure. Yeah, I mean, um, if, if if you're an O's you fan, more you feel pitching. fantastic about the year. It, like you just said, starting pitching was the problem. Uh, Kyle Bradish got tagged. Grayson Rodriguez Grayson got, got destroyed, up. which yeah. really his fastball got crushed. Yep. Uh, and shockingly, their trade deadline acquisition, Jack Flaherty, didn't move the needle. Wow. Yeah, you could have seen that, that coming. coming. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, this wasn't a competitive series. Like we said, uh, the Rangers have swept the playoffs thus far. They are 5-0. and uh, They've lo- they dominated really all three games of that series. Um, and if, if you're the Orioles management, especially right now, uh, you need to be looking to seriously commit to 2024 and beyond. Because you need this, to go get pitching. This is when it needs to happen. You need yeah. to extend the core. You need to sign. You need to lock up Adley long term. Yes. Lock up Gunnar Henderson. Pick a few of Kobe Mayer, Holton Kowser, Certainly Jackson Holiday when that time comes. I mean, you've got options. Like you are going to be able to build a core full of young um, first rounders who all have. You massive upside. You could be the Braves. You nailed all of these picks. Like, yeah, yeah truly. With, you with could a, be the Braves. With a financial commitment, You they could, could really be something. Yeah. And the main part of that, aside from extending their current players, is going to be bringing in a few pitchers. Um, you know, we saw this season the Orioles had the second lowest payroll in the league. That certainly needs to change, I think, if they're going to – be able to put up a fight and at the, the same playoffs. time most of that is just because all of their guys are you know I, I think they're still in the renewal stage I don't even think they're to arbitration yet. yeah so it's like well it, it's, you know, that's absolutely why help but but yeah you still need to make some a lot of room complimentary signings yeah. like to fill out go get Blake Snell I mean like, Blake Snell they could go trade for Dylan Cease they could yeah. trade for any pitcher on the market they, they could trade for anybody truly yeah. like they have the prospects to trade for anybody yep. that they want like they can build also try to attract one of these Japanese pitchers who's coming over mm-hmm. right like there's you know there are their starting pitching options this offseason are actually pretty good yeah um you know very top heavy there's I think like three guys but outside of that's not great but like go get one of those like that's what you need it, yeah, I was badly in yeah. the worst way. I mean, I was a little bit worried going into the season when they had stopped comparing themselves to the Astros and started comparing themselves to the Rays and the Guardians that maybe that meant that the financial commitment was not coming. It certainly did not come this year. Yeah. Um and like we said, it it can. It, it you you know, you can turn on the faucet really at at any moment and when they do that, they have put themselves in a position where i don't think they even really need to sign many bats like maybe they get one but you sign two quality starters which really is like the bare fucking minimum for a financial commitment to a team that is actually contending um and i and the sky is the limit for the orioles they could be here for the next 10 years true every year the the only thing standing in the way is we don't know how long these players are going to be there, who, who they're going to let walk yeah. um, when, if they're going to make any, you know, they've, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm speculating at this point, they've done a great job of building the core thus far. Now is the time when it's going to take a little bit of money. Sure. Moving on to the Rangers. They, this season or this, this series, they just dominated offensively Four OPS is in the DS over 1200. Wow. In that lineup, four: Seager, Garver, Evan Carter, and Josh Young. So, uh, Evan Carter is a guy that I could talk about all day. That guy is fun to watch. I, just that team. He's. You have this dude. You complement this these free agent acquisitions in um, in Seager in uh, <laughs> Jesus in Semyon, excuse me, and then you have a guy like Evan Carter or a guy like Josh Young who show up and just absolutely ball out, and all of a sudden, I mean, you have a team that is built the same way as the 90s Yankees. Like, it truly. Um, it's maybe not to that extent, but that is how the Yankees built their dynasties, with a very healthy crop of talented and young off-season free agent acquisitions, and you have a very strong crop of prospects who show up and actually hit. That's it. That's all you do. Um, Adelis Garcia had a huge series of pair of homers. Um, Jordan Montgomery, speaking of which, in acquisition world, Jordan Montgomery is all of a sudden turning into like a, a dominant postseason pitcher with, you know, I, the guy was untouchable. Again, I, it's I, getting kind of freaky with this guy who we watched a ton of and he was always kind of predictable is, I think, like the, the nicest way that you could put it. It's just he was good, never great, 
Never bad. He would just show up. He would give you five and two thirds. I was just going to say five and two thirds. Five and two thirds <laughs> with three runs earned. That's yep. it. That's that's Amani start. And all of a sudden he's throwing seven shutout in the playoffs. Like that's amazing. Um, also, Bruce Bochy is just he's a winning manager. He was the manager of the 98 Padres, which I did not know that. I that was a that. team that apparently had no business being where they were um, outside of um, Tony Gwynn. But he has been around forever. He was the Giants manager in the early 2010s, as we know, and he got a lot out of those rosters. It's just the guy gets a lot out of his team. He knows how to win. He knows how to win. So, and he's, you know, and he knows the game well. So, um, it's, uh, yeah, this, this Rangers team is more serious than I think I ever gave them credit for. I think that you ever gave them credit for it. Definitely. It's, uh, it's going to be kind of scary seeing what they do in this, uh, this next series against another juggernaut. Absolutely. Uh, I think that my my thoughts on the Rangers have like switched up so much over the past two years because when they made those Seager and Semien uh, offseason signings, I was kind of left scratching my head a little bit. I was like, hey, two shortstops for this team. That I know. We're yeah. not really sure Who are you, the if Red their Sox? Like, window <laughs> is, is open right now. Yeah. Um, and then like last year it didn't it did not happen for them and I didn't I mean I, I wasn't super confident in the future of their their franchise like I knew about Josh Young but he had had that shoulder injury at the time and uh, Evan Carter kind of popped up on the prospect radar around this time last year maybe a little bit earlier like in the the summer but that guy has just shot up lists and this postseason has proved with absolute good reason this is a guy who draws a lot of comparisons to kyle tucker this is an amazing pure hitter his eye is perfect uh, i think that the playoff announcers said like eight different times that his uh minor league nickname was full count because he would always be in a full count <laughs> full count carter it's <laughs> his nickname officially in baseball reference fun it, fact there have been some uh 23 games by the way in the regular season Unbelievable. 23, and he shows up and he masses in the playoffs. And he shows up, He, I think he reached base 11 of 13 times, something like that. My yeah. God. Um, yeah, a guy walks more than he strikes out. Um, I, I cannot say enough good things about Evan Carter. He is going to be a perennial all-star, I think. He's got a hit in every years. single game in the playoffs. God. Three strikeouts. Sky is the limit. Uh, holy shit. Wait a minute. Six walks, three strikeouts. I I went into this year's playoffs thinking that the Rangers would be my 2024 World Series pick when they maybe have to ground back, probably <laughs> yeah. have back Scherzer, and then they're also going to add Wyatt Langford into their lineup, which is truly just absurd that they have Wyatt Langford. Like yeah. we people haven't <laughs> reckoned with that yet, but that's well, going to happen shows next up. year, and it's going to be fun. Yeah. This Rangers um, team is scary, and I... I might have been a, a year late. Maybe they can win it this year. Yeah, I, I don't like this team. Me neither. <laughs> like, I don't like the Rangers, and I don't like giving them any flowers, but they deserve it, and they're forcing me to you know acknowledge how good they are right now. Um, Astros Twins. So, for the Twins, uh, very simple. Royce Lewis has a new middle name in Toronto, because that dude killed the Blue Jays uh, in the Wild Card Series. That was really fun to watch. And for the Astros, death... Taxes and the Astros winning in October. There are only three certainties, and it's one of them. They find a way. We can start with the Astros um, because they're moving on. It's just, I mean, it's getting infuriating at this point. Like, you have a guy in Jose Abreu as a good example who had a terrible season, and all of a sudden the playoffs roll around, and he finally decides to show up. He had three homers, and it's just, like, out of nowhere, you know, it's they they just find a way to put it all together at the perfect time, and you know, Jordan Alvarez continues to be terrifying all year long, but especially in the playoffs, he hits somehow. My dad always used to say about David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez when when they were Red Sox, whenever the Yankees would be winning by three, they or would be winning by four, they'd hit a five run homer. That's like the kind of stuff that Jordan Alvarez does. It's just it's it's amazing. The guy just is the king of clutch and he's just he lives for the moment apparently um yeah and two more home runs for him in the series yep two more and uh i think lead takers i think both well, of them, well that I, no I that think. that uh game one 
Stanton home run. Uh, the Astros had gone up five to nothing, and then the Twins came back. They got a three-run home run, and then Royce Lewis came up. He went back to back to bring them with right. one, and then the next inning, Jordan came in, hit a home run, and that was kind of just the That's, that the, was the, the backbreaker. Nail. Yeah, he's he's the hammer that hits the nail in the coffin. Exactly. Um, also, so with the Astros, they're. The thing to pay attention to with them more than ever um, this year is they might have the best rotation left out of any of the playoff teams. Verlander, Valdez, Javier, and Urquidy. Um, I think it was uh, Christian Javier had a pretty bad start, and I don't think Framber looked great. But um, it's still, I mean, when those guys are on, I, I mean, that's four guys that I don't think there's a lot of other teams left who you could say, hey, here's four pitchers that I trust in a playoff game. I'm not afraid of Urquidy. But I, I'm not afraid of Urquidy, but sure. he he can he's done it before. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, um, kind of scary. And then they're back back into the bullpen. They have a, or a, uh, a formula of Neris, Abreu, and Presley, which they went to twice in this series for the 7-8-9, and it just works. So... They just don't afraid. need left-handed pitchers in their bullpen. They straight up don't not. care. Yeah. It's really strange. Doesn't matter. I've never seen anybody have so much success with only righties in the pen. Yeah. It's wild. Uh, the Twins did have a very dominant game, too. They did take uh, that that game on the, the road. Uh, unfortunately, they could not get anything done at home. Their pitching gave up leads super early in both games. Jose Abreu had a huge three-run home run in Game Three, and uh, they they just couldn't get it done. None of these series are going to be reaching Game Five as of a couple minutes ago because Braves Phillies. Oh well, uh, real quick oh, on sorry. the Twins, I just <laughs> want to say too, um, much like the Orioles, uh, you have a lot to be happy about after this season. I think a lot of people didn't really. Whether or not they they believed in the Twins doesn't matter. Nobody gave a shit about them. Um, And Carlos Correa showed up and, you know, kind of reminded you why you want to pay big bucks for the big name. And, you know, he he had a really good series. Um, And he played great in the wild card, too. So, you know, he is, uh, you know, he's Carlos Correa. He's a villain, and he likes doing that. Um, Papa Lopez looked fantastic in the playoffs. And, again, another guy, acquisition, who – showed up and looked great. Um, so there's a lot of reasons to kind of be excited, but this is still um, – oh, and Royce Lewis is uh, – looks amazing. Like that guy is probably going to be around in Minnesota for, I don't know, the next 12, 14 years, um, you can hope. So the the thing with uh, the Twins is, again, starting pitching beyond, you know, Joe Ryan kind of needs some work. Um, but – there's enough there. There are enough pieces there to think that, hey, maybe this team can compete. And being in the AL Central, you should be able to win 90-something games next year, slide right back in, and maybe you know do the same thing again, but hopefully this time get past the divisional. You would certainly think that the Twins will be back next year. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody in the Central <laughs> who could compete for that no, division title. Not, not really. And they're not going to have a wild card team. Um, so anyway, go on. Yeah, uh, then that'll bring us up to our final series, which just wrapped up as we've been recording this episode. The Philadelphia Phillies knock out the Atlanta Braves in four games. Yes, sir. The Braves, Dodgers East, or can't slay the Philly Beast. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, hard to say if they are just a team who doesn't show up in the playoffs or if Philly just has their number because it's now two years in a row getting knocked out by them Um, after another you know, historically great regular season. They just don't put it together in the playoffs. With an all-time lineup, one that truly rivaled that of the 1927 Yankees, people yes. were saying. like, Yeah, which one through nine, they had a team OPS plus of like 130 or yeah. something insane. And they're still young, which is why I also think it's too early to say if this is a team who can't play in the playoffs or if it's just that Philly knows how to beat them. Because, they again, they ran into the same team twice. So... Whether or not that you believe in like the you know a, a team just having your number or whatever, um, it it's we need to see them lose to another <laughs> team and and not meet ex- expectations uh, before you can kind of fully say that that's the narrative with the Braves. Um, but they're starting pitching again. This is the same story as a lot of the other teams we've talked about. Starting pitching was under uh, unreliable. Bryce Elder got really messed up. Max Freed 
historically is on a very similar track to Clayton Kershaw. The dude just cannot pitch in the playoffs. He Although has a four, he, does, six. he does have a World Series ring. He does, but he has a 4-6 ERA career in the playoffs. Um, and this year, again, it, I mean, nothing, you know, Nothing great. Four innings, three earns in uh, in the DS this year. Um, in the World Series, he he pitched better, um, although not in uh, not in Game Two in twenty twenty one. Seven. Hits, well, when else would he have pitched in the World Series? Five. He had two two starts in that in that so World he had, Series. He had one good start, one bad one. Six innings, no okay. runs in Game Five. Or that game one I six. remember. Yeah. Yes, that's the one that you remember. You don't remember Game Two where he gave up six runs in five innings. Um, I think I remember that too. No, either way. Fair enough. <laughs> you get my point. Uh, also, that whole playoffs, the, the game before that, five earned runs, four innings. Uh, you know, just not. The guy has uh, a track record of at least at the at the at best being unreliable. Um, and he's your, you know, I guess your two starter. So I think uh, he's the one. I don't know, well, two Strider. Strider, yeah, yeah. But um, and Strider had a good series um, and a good playoff run in general. Um, Austin Riley is amazing. That dude is really fun to watch. He had a really good series. Um, and Michael Harris, too, might be the best center fielder in the National League. So it's, Mike, too. Uh, Mike, too. Um, in the National League, I say. Corbin Carroll, I think, is the only guy giving him a run for that. Corbin title. Carroll is in the National League. Um, yeah. Uh, what? I said Michael Harris might be the best center fielder in the National League. Oh, I, I, I thought you said... I thought you said he might be the best center fielder in baseball, and then you were clarifying with, well, at least in the National League, Corbin Carroll might have him beat. And no, I was no, like, no, no, no. I'm saying Corbin Carroll. <laughs> okay, is I, I, run I for see. His I was money. Like, what the hell? Um, but yeah, that guy makes amazing plays, um, and he's got a hell of an arm. Uh, Phillies, on the other hand, the kings of the shoulder chip. <laughs> you don't want to fuck around and talk shit about this team because they will make you pay for it. Uh, if you count them out, they will make you pay for it. And, uh, yeah, Bryce Harper is the best thing to happen to Phillies since someone figured out the cheese tastes good on steak. Those <laughs> All are my they had to do the is <laughs> give them the fucking money. Yeah. Imagine that. That's it. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, look, Bryce Harper has proved yet again that the guy loves the spotlight and he knows how to perform in it. And, uh, yeah, Nick Castellanos tonight had a two-homer game. So if you're a Philly fan, been relatively frustrated with the fact that Castellanos was brought here to be, like, the other bat, and he finally is kind of putting it together. If you're a um, Philly fan, you aren't listening to this podcast. You're out, point. like... Getting hammered and eating horse shit. I was going to yeah. say <laughs> committing a hate crime against the Braves mascot. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, yeah, I, this is... Uh, eating a stop sign. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly it. Um, yeah, they have the formula figured out. Um, I mean, their their bullpen is scary good. Um, their starters are all good enough. Um, honestly, I, I don't know what even what their numbers were in this series. I should look into that. Um, yeah, we'll do it. Just we can, we can take a look tomorrow. another time. Just ended like an hour ago. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Not a lot of time to go back and look back. But, um, yeah, man, Trey Turner is uh, showing up now. Uh, you know, you all decided to give him the old Philly that City That was one of my favorite hug. stories of the year was when they started <laughs> giving out. him ovations and he was, like, struggling. He had yeah, like, the worst year of his career by far, and yep. then he just turns it all around. Like, the it's vibes cool. in Philly are amazing and right see, now. I kind of want them to win. That's the human element that I'm talking about. That analytics has no, they can't not account for a city giving you an ovation until you start hitting, and then it works. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, that's crazy. That's so cool. I think Man. ultimately it's going to be. I think teams have to perfectly balance um, data with the human element. Oh, we we've litigated yeah. this enough, but I'm with you. But anyway, yeah. Thoughts on the uh, the Braves and the Phillies. Um, that's, I, I mean, that's pretty much it. I think we've covered it all very well. Um, the Braves beat the Phillies in four, the Astros beat the twins in four, the Rangers swept the Orioles and the Diamondbacks swept the Dodgers. Yep. So those are your four teams left. And those series are going to start up on Sunday yes, for sir. the National League and Monday for the American League. Should we move on to predictions? I'm goddamn excited. Um, yeah. All right. Why not? Um, just all off the cuff? Yeah, off all the right. cuff. Off Why the not? Cuff. So you got the Rangers and the Astros, the Battle of Texas, and you got the Phillies and the Diamondbacks, the Battle of Red Teams. Okay. <laughs> My off the cuff prediction 
is that we have a World Series rematch of the Astros and the Phillies. Sure. Yeah. Um, I That's a little boring, but I'm going to go with it anyway. I, I, I think the Phillies walk through the Diamondbacks, to be honest. Um, I think the Diamondbacks are too young. But the... <laughs> The Astros Rangers series, I think, is more of a toss up than it gets credit for being because I think everyone oh, I is just like terrified of the Astros and is very well familiar with the power that they have in October, um, as I talked about earlier. Um, but I honestly, I, I feel like the Rangers have the juice. I feel like they have it more than the Astros. I'm going to say we get a Rangers Phillies World Series. All right. And I, would I love do that. Think, I think that both of these series go at least six games. Nice. Yeah. I would like that. After Actually, no. Phillies in five, Rangers in seven. I'm okay. I'm kind of with that, to be honest, but I'm going to stick with my Astros prediction just because I already said it. Sure. Um, give a game count? Yeah, I would, I'll go with Astros in six and Phillies in four. Fuck it. They sweep. Why Damn. Not? All right. We'll get bull. Fair enough. All right. All right. So I'd you that's going to do it for us this Phillies week. Phillies in five, Rangers in seven. That's what's going to happen because I was right in the wild card series. All right. <laughs> All right. We love that little boost of confidence. Oh, yeah. Um, to anybody out there, please go uh, patreon.com slash mudville. We just started it last week. You would truly be getting in on the ground floor. You don't even yeah. have to give us money if you don't just want to subscribe or whatever yeah you know, follow us do all that most of our we'll stuff is going to be free there. to access we just yeah. wanted a place to put everything also i know i've been saying this now for probably about three weeks but we do now have a solid solidified plan to start the new york sports podcast next week um so keep an eye out for that episode with me and my brother morgan beautiful a mudville regular at this point um so that will be coming out uh towards the end of next week all right well, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. This has been the Mudville Podcast. I have been one of your hosts, Nolan Rabine. I have been the other one, Brody Stubb. Thank you very much. Catch you next week.